the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Today I'm here with Gerard Quinn, uh, who is the director for the UC Centre for Entrepreneurship at uh, University of Canterbury. Uh, welcome, Gerard. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you. On a cold morning here in Christchurch, Paul. Yeah. Oh, thank thank you for uh, for, for joining us. Uh, I know uh, at the moment we've got uh, we've got a bit of COVID going around, so. Uh, um, thank you, and I know we've uh, we've have pulled you in a little bit at the last minute, uh, but uh, we re- really appreciate that. Um, before we start, big thank you to our show partners: uh, Two Degrees, Vodafone, Spark, HP, Gorilla Technology, Cyclone, and Aruba. Um, now, first up, maybe Gerard, give us a little bit of an introduction on uh, what you do, what your role is, where you fit into this big wide world of tech and entrepreneurship. Well, um, look, my main background for a long time was in aviation, uh, doing air traffic control, running air traffic control centres, ATC Workforce for Australia, um, airspace deals. Uh, but when I came back from Australia in the early 2000s, my first job was to work for six of the largest electronic companies in Christchurch. That's the Tate Electronics and the Invensys and Eaton Powers, and trying to turn them into a commercial network. Um, great companies, big employers in the region. Uh, so that was my first real introduction into into tech, um, and then I ran economic development agencies. So a big part of economic development is how do we keep business sectors relevant and innovative and uh, um, and growing. And innovation entrepreneurship is a huge part of that. So after a little path through economic development, I ended up here at University of Canterbury. I started about six months ago running the Centre for Entrepreneurship, and uh, it's a great, exciting place to be, just seeing young young people in particular amaze themselves with, with what they can do. Oh, fantastic. That is, that's great. Well, really looking forward to uh, uh, delving in and, and hearing more about the Centre for Entrepreneurship and uh, mm-hmm. and your work there during the episode. Uh, first up, we're just going to run through some, uh, some news bites. Uh, now, one of the ones that caught my attention is uh, the UK... Uh, signing a U.S. border deal that basically will see them uh, sharing uh, bi- biometric data that's uh, that's held by uh, police uh, about their uh, their citizens with uh, U.S. border officials, and uh, I guess this is just the sort of stuff we need to we need to keep a little bit of a a little bit of a watch on because there's there's two sides to uh, uh, to these sorts of of things as we work to you know protect our countries, uh, but also there's uh, there's a lot of risks that can that can come in. Another thing uh, that relates to these two countries is um, there was a, a speech given by uh, the heads of uh, MI5 and uh, and FBI in the UK and. Uh, this one caught my attention because they maybe went into a little bit more uh, than what we'll often hear. I think this is a unique circumstance to uh, to, to have these two uh, leaders talking uh, talking publicly, and really quite a lot of information was shared. And one of the comments was just about uh, the. Uh, concerns about the Chinese Communist uh, Party and and the varying uh, you know challenges from a, a, a spying perspective, uh, varying uh, references to uh, to cyber th- threats and warnings about the stealing of technology uh, using a, a broad range of uh, brain broad range of of tools. Um, one of the one of the comments uh, that I'll quote is it, it said even more serious threat to Western businesses. Uh, than even many some sophisticated business people realised, and you know went into a, a range of uh, uh, references of uh, of how uh, US and and, and UK uh, you know, companies uh, should be uh, uh, very cautious. And there was uh, one one example that was was given uh, of a UK company that had uh, um, did did some uh, did some business. Uh, with a, a Chinese uh, firm, and uh, they ultimately ended up uh, three years after after that uh, deal, um, basically hitting hitting the wall. Um, now I'm not too sure with uh, with that particular example. 
um, but they they did agree to a certain amount of tech transfer. So it looks as though there was actually no espionage involved in in this case. But uh, the uh, uh, the company uh, Smiths Harlow, which is a uh, a UK based precision engineering firm, entered this deal, uh, and then about three years uh, three years later, uh, they were gone once they had um, effectively. Uh, allowed their IP to be uh, to be uh, taken over um, by a Chinese firm, uh, Futures Aerospace. Um, but there's uh, you could probably Google this if you if you're interested, and uh, a lot of that uh, the speech and the content there is uh, is online. But uh, there's there's a fair bit of um, fair bit of warning warning there and uh, it, it probably you know uncovers some things that many of us might not have uh, might not have realized uh, often of course there's there's uh, you know a level of, of fear uh, around certain nations um, but we we don't often uh, probably hear from uh, from people at this sort of level that would have uh, have a view point that is, is probably backed up by a lot of reality and a lot of data that we wouldn't normally see. Uh, also in news, uh, Microsoft's um, Azure having some uh, capacity issues, which they're blaming on uh, on supply chain, and Microsoft is saying they'll move to restrict tri- uh, trials and internal workloads to, uh, to prioritize uh, growth of their existing uh, customers. Uh, so this is not something that we've we've seen before. We think of the cloud as as something that's infinite and flexible, and we can just draw on as much as 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 we like. Uh, let's uh, let's hope that doesn't become uh, a longer term issue. Uh, and locally here, we've uh, we've had the announcement that the Southern Cross uh, Next Cable has has launched, uh, and uh, that. I think is uh, is pretty exciting for uh, for New Zealand to know that we've got this extra link uh, to the to the outside uh, world from a resiliency and a capacity uh, perspective. And so there's some um, yeah some pretty interesting um, numbers there in, in terms of uh, you know what they uh, what they're what they're delivering. Uh, they're uh, they're testing a, a f- uh, four hundred. Uh, GBE uh, services across this uh, network, which runs for just under sixteen thousand uh, k- kilometers. Uh, so, offering offering these uh, these services between uh, countries is uh, uh, is pretty pleasing, and uh, and I guess it also keeps up the competition. Um, of course, as a country, we've really benefited from from there being uh, more diversity and more connections to the outside world, uh, which is is you know why it's normal for. Uh, um, for business and and consumer connections, uh, largely to be available uh, with a un, uncapped uh, data options, which certainly wasn't the case going back a, a, a decade uh, or so. Uh, and other news: uh, Twitter say they're off to hire uh, lawyers so they can go after Elon Musk after he's uh, he's pulled out of the deal to buy to buy Twitter. Um, now into sort of the discussion topics. Um, Gerard, you've been uh, following NASA's capstone mission, which of of course, uh, you know, Rocket Lab have been absolutely uh, pivotal in this uh, in this mission, and and you know their part of it with uh, with launching from uh, Mahia Peninsula uh, here in in New Zealand seemed to go flawlessly, and uh, you know it was kind of fun watching uh, watching the live stream and and seeing the celebrations. Uh, at uh, at uh, Rocket Lab mission mission control, um, could could we have expected this to happen uh, when uh, when Rocket Lab sort of first started in business? Could anyone have imagined this? Yeah, uh, look, having had a long career in aviation, this is the item for numerous space puns, but I'll do my best to avoid them. Um, <laughs> look, this is you know the state the the place of movies, isn't it? Really, you know, this is this is space. It's real. Um, congratulations to Rocket Lab on just a great achievement. Um, you know, having the credibility to be chosen to be part of this NASA partner mission, it wasn't just NASA, they had other important partners in it as well. Um, but it's just more than just successfully launching a rocket. You know, this is about different and new ways of actually traveling beyond the moon and opening up all that possibility. And I think if you look at what Rocket Lab has done for Mahia Potential, and I did work in Hawke's Bay, it was, it was just an amazing uh, place uh, and for engineering, manufacturing, production in Auckland, 
Um, but it's actually becoming a, a whole New Zealand thing. I was at an um, aerospace dinner in Christchurch last Wednesday with Minister Megan Woods. Uh, Mark Rocket was there, so of course aerospace would, would come up. But it was just amazing how fast the sector is growing. We had um, companies from Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch, Piper Vision, Kia Aerospace, Asterix, uh, Dawn Aerospace, Swoop. Um, you know, these are around New Zealand, each taking a, a niche and part of this aerospace industry. Um, we had Linda there from Tafaki, which is the new space area out at uh, Lake Ellesmere, Kaitoriri Spit. And that's an amazing project because you are regenerating a natural environment, a partnership between Crown and Tūrunaka, but at the same time, you're developing aerospace activities and R&D facilities, and you're going to get jobs and investment out of it. So thought that was amazing. It's particularly relevant, I think, to UC because um, there are a lot of things that come out of the engineering school in particular. Um, but maybe later on we can talk about the fact that it's not just rockets and fuel. There are so many other things that are now using space to um, advance, you know, for, for the betterment of mankind. Yeah, look, I uh, I think it's it's just you know my, a mind blowing uh, you know achievement that. Uh, that has happened uh, here. Um, they're not quite, uh, you know, the mission isn't, uh, isn't, you know, at a completion point just yet. That takes some time, but some some real innovation in terms of uh, being being able to get this, uh, you know, satellite heading heading up and uh, and getting to the moon using a, you know, um, a, a small rocket. And I think uh, they're talking uh, it's about a, a twenty five, uh, you know, kilo. Uh, payload ultimately going up into mm. uh, into orbit to uh, but also to the the, moon. Um, the cost you know being able to do it for the cost they can do it at compared to you know the days of Saturn fives and um, you know, it means that you can do so many more things uh, and make it accessible. It's just fantastic. Yeah, I think you know these these sort of you you think of a a, a mission to the moon and. Uh, you know, a multi-billion-dollar type of uh, type of thing would would be. Uh, I mean, I guess there isn't a norm for getting to the to the moon because it's been done so so few times. But to you know, to see this this mission being done for you know in the in the low uh, tens of millions of uh, you know US dollars, I think uh, you know Rocket Lab's involvement was uh, um, you know maybe uh, you know ten ten million. Um, you know, USD and the the entire mission was uh, certainly under under fifty million New Zealand dollars from um, from from what I've seen. So, uh, yeah, it, on on that scale, it's uh, it's it's quite a little bit hard to get your head around that uh, that this mm -hmm. could, could be achieved for uh, for such a small figure. Um, but also now, the, the design and of you know cube sets and micro sets that it, it provides access to a whole different range of industries from you know through health um to, to, to undertake experiments in microgravity or zero gravity that would never have been able to be done before so the the you know equity of accessibility is is just increasing as we bring the, the price down yeah yeah uh and also this 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 mission we've seen you know i think some of the the benefits of the work that rocket lab have been have been doing on that uh, that verdict from a vertical integration perspective that they're not just uh, they're not just the launch vehicle um, but they're they're really you know involved across the board with with a whole range of, of technology pieces that uh, that join together and that's you know also enabling mm -hmm. them to win um, you know other other business because uh, you know they they're able to provide a you know a, an end to end uh, solution for. Uh, for their customers, so uh, it just you know creates more exciting jobs here in New Zealand, and and will mm -hmm. you know help the the overall um, yeah. sector. So yeah, really. And there may be possibilities in the future for assembly, uh, where that's actually done offshore or not, and and of course where we launch from is um, all up for grabs as the industry develops as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, now on to uh, on to another. Uh, I guess international, uh, but key, Kiwi story. Um, uh, two companies, uh, Qual IT and their uh, their their uh, partner entity, um, 
CEQA, is it? S-E-Q-A. Um, and they they do uh, quality assurance uh, work and uh, software development, uh, you know, apps and uh, and and cyber security uh, of software uh, development um, are being bought by uh, Planet out of um, uh, Australia, um, which is is part of the Japanese um, financial services group Nomura. Um, this one's this one's quite uh, quite interesting because you know they've really grown to uh, to, to quite a size, and uh, you know we we often have these uh, uh, businesses that we we don't even uh, you know necessarily notice what they're up to and and how innovative uh, our Kiwi firms are often on a global scale uh, until uh, until somebody uh, comes along and acquires them and uh, and, a, and a lot of money. Uh, change, changes hands. What's your uh, What's your thoughts on this one, Jerry? Uh, look, I think you, one point you brought up there about you know the amount of innovation and things. Um, yes, we are hugely innovative. Um, sometimes it's not necessarily uh, you know a new physical product or something, but it could be a service. I think remember hearing one of the um, leads for zero many years ago saying they haven't changed the laws of mathematics. They haven't changed the laws of accounting. What they've done is make it easy for people to fill in their invoicing and tax returns. Yeah? So you can actually take something that's really a, a process can be a technology. So we have all of those things happening because I think you know generally we're a very practical nation and we go out and solve practical problems and I don't, I must admit, I don't know too much about the qual IT one, but when you hear about these, you often, you know, sometimes quite a harsh reaction to um, local companies being sold offshores. But when you think about it, the owners have built a great company. Um, it's attractive enough to be bought. They deserve the rewards for doing it. Um, and we all know serial Kiwi founders who have used the proceeds from the sale of their first company to start new businesses and start the cycle all over again. So promise of hundreds of more jobs, you know, has to be good for building the scale yeah, of the IT around the country. And I think now the challenge will be to find those skilled people. Yeah, look, I, I think, um, yeah, I think really, really exciting, you know, already a base of, uh, you know, 250 um, staff across their, uh, their, their New Zealand operations. And uh, the idea that that could, uh, could double or, or triple is pretty pleasing, uh, as you say. Some uh, some challenges uh, possibly ahead in, uh, in in finding those uh, those those people, and uh, certainly we uh, we we hope that uh, those issues don't uh, don't persist too long uh, in terms of finding the right uh, resource and and being able to bring uh, more of the right sort of people into New Zealand uh, going forward because we don't. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't always have everybody, but of course, that's that's part of the role for the University of Canterbury, isn't it? Uh, is, uh, yeah. Training up, uh, training up uh, more people and uh, putting more uh, more people into the uh, in, into the market. So uh, you know, and, really, and we do really a lot of work integrated learning um, from all our yep. faculties. We try and put people in two companies, you know, before we, they're finished doing their degrees, um, so that they actually also know what it's like to work in a company because. You can have the greatest uh, engine, but if your transmission is sloppy, you're not going to get the results you want. So we also spend quite a bit of effort trying to get people um, work ready and able to actually get into a company, know what it's like, produce the results. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, now, on a on a more of a global uh, basis, um, it was yeah. Kind of shocking, but but not the first time we've we've heard of uh, these sorts of things uh, happening. Um, although when they happen in China, it tends to be on a on a large scale. Um, and so this was a, a stolen uh, Chinese database that's been uh, for sale online, and uh, apparently containing about a, a billion uh, records. And so this is the uh, Shanghai National Police uh, database uh, that was that was leaked, um, and um, yeah, the, uh, the the sort of numbers that uh, that the media reports uh, indicates it suggests um, that names, home addresses, ID numbers, phone numbers, uh, criminal records, and other data on around a billion. 
um, Chinese nationals. Uh, so a, a pretty, uh, pretty, you know, extreme level of uh, data leakage there, and uh, you know, I, I can only imagine what must be what must be going on in scenario in you know in this scenario um, for those that were whose role was to protect the uh, the data. Um, but you know, having having talked earlier about the storing of biometric data and sharing of that between uh, between countries, uh, yeah, never never a good thing to uh, to hear these these stories. Um, I guess you know, there's there's yeah, probably a whole lot of other other aspects that that come in here. Uh, there's been a lot of coverage of uh, you know, sort of spinning it round a little bit because I guess this is data that uh, that's available. Uh, you know, anywhere in the world. Um, but we, we've had TikTok coming in and, and starting to get more attention again um, for the data that they hold and uh, and how securely that uh, that might be be held and uh, and whether you know Chinese government have access to uh, to that stuff. So I mean, it, it seems like uh, privacy is a pretty hard thing over all these days, doesn't it? It is, and it's. Um... Look, it seems that the authenticity of that data for the um, Shanghai leak has been confirmed. Um, you know, I thought that the 10 Bitcoin or about $200,000, I think it was, was a relatively small amount for the amount of data stolen. I think the business school pricing department will be talking to people about pricing for things like that. I mean, you know, that's <laughs> a huge amount of data. Um, not encouraging it at all, but I thought, you know, that's actually going after a very small reward for a, a really... Um, awful intrusion into people's lives and data it's a problem of our times um it's that thing that you know we we do want data it helps us on a global scale solve world problems so it helps us on a business scale to our you know our individual businesses for our livelihoods but this sort of thing is going to be an ongoing fight you know with successive rounds won by the hackers and then another round won by the security experts so it's going to be with us for a long long time yeah, I think you're right. Just the the scale of this one, I, I guess, is what blows my mind. Well, it's it's certainly a reminder that's of of enough scale. To, uh, we we still have a lot of work to do on this front. And you know, I, look, I guess um, uh, some countries, some governments do a better job than uh, than others. And, it, and it's very interesting after uh, you know he, hearing uh, about this this talk by uh, MI five and and FBI. Uh, you know, talking around the, the level of offensive action that's uh, that's that's you know uh, being being taken uh, from China. That uh, maybe they they do struggle a little bit on the the defensive side them uh, themselves. So um, yeah, quite uh, quite a quite a shock uh, that one. Um, now, in terms of um, other news, uh, Starlink. Have launched their uh, their option, so satellite connectivity for uh, boats. And reading some of the uh, some of the background on this, I think uh, you know a, a few folks were uh, uh, maybe a bit shocked to hear that that Starlink that uh, you know we can order for uh, for our uh, you know for our for our home locations, particularly. Uh, you know, of interest to those in in rural areas that maybe you know don't uh, don't have. Uh, ideal access to, uh, to to local networks, uh, and these can be you know purchased. Uh, certainly, when I purchased mine, I think it was a bit under a thousand dollars for a satellite dish, and then your uh, your your uh, your connection, your first monthly fee, which was coming in around a hundred and hundred and fifty dollars a month. I think that's up to about one hundred and eighty dollars a month now. Um, but uh, if you want it on your boat, then uh, they're talking. Uh, USD five thousand per month and uh, a USD ten thousand uh, dollar hardware purchase. Uh, but at delving a, a little bit deeper, it does seem like uh, those that are that are uh, fronting up with this money and and committing to this uh, subscription are, are certainly getting uh, something that 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 that's got a few variances in terms of uh, in terms of the service. So there's there's uh, dual dishes. And no doubt, a fair bit of um, you know R and D uh, that uh, SpaceX are, are still having to uh, having to cover, and and it's these sort of commercial opportunities uh, 
uh, that will, you know, to some degree, you could say, will will subsidise, um, you know, those everyday connections uh, for for folks. And I saw somewhere uh, a reference to um, uh, the previous connection that um, SpaceX had actually had on uh, on one of their uh, their their uh, uh, vessels for rocket landings that they were spending US. $150,000 a month for a satellite-based internet connection uh, to reach them out there. Uh, and and being older technology, it was, of course, uh, you know, somewhat inferior uh, to the, the Starlink, uh, Starlink connection. So certainly if you're, you're currently spending $150,000 US a month for, uh, for an internet uh, connection and, uh, and Starlink's available, I can imagine a lot of people wanting to augment that existing connection uh, with a Starlink because it's probably, you know, better and faster in some ways. Um, but it is still new tech, and and um, you know, from what we can see, it actually doesn't have full full global uh, global coverage. Uh, I think, what are your yeah. thoughts here? Well, I think it's probably what you've pointed out there that it, it is a new tech. If you go back a few years and think what it would cost to buy a satellite phone or a minute of time on a satellite phone, uh, imagine the cost then and how horrific you thought that was. And it is a new industry, so I think as most of the tech entrepreneurs out there in your audience would understand, you know, how do you generate sales with enough money to fix the problems that you've really got still anyway, and then develop the new product offerings. So it's really, I think, more of a, um, a business model discussion. Uh, do you start with a bit of price skimming that, um, you know, maybe you assume that if you've got a boat, then you can also afford to pay more for your, your next connection. So, yeah, I think it's more of a business model thing for um, and the early adopters are picking it up. And if you do that, you have to be prepared to pay more. Yeah, look, I mean, I can imagine there's a, there's a you know, few folks with their uh, their super yachts that uh, uh, will have uh, streaming and other things that uh, they probably probably haven't haven't uh, necessarily had uh, before mm. these connections are available or, or certainly, uh, you know, a, a much better overall connection. Uh, so yeah, there, there's a, there's certainly a bunch of, of customers that uh, this, these figures won't uh, won't be any sort of challenge yeah. for. But uh, the the average uh, the average uh, Kiwi uh, attaching uh, attaching one of uh, or a, a pair of a pair of these to their um, their fishing kayak uh, yeah. probably not 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 so much. <laughs> but, and look, uh, again, it, it will open up things eventually. That you know when we come these two way data exchange sources, you know, we'll find ways that aren't in the phone call and entertainment aspect. It'll be a great um, platform that we can use for all the other data transmissions and things we need around climate monitoring and, and other things from, you know, locations around the world, not just fixed stations. So it's early stages. Yeah, yeah, it is. Now the um, there there was uh, a map, a sort of covered coverage map on uh, on the Starlink site that that shows you know not global coverage. When I tried a couple of days ago to see if I could you know just just to find the details and uh, uh, for ordering one of these for uh, for New Zealand, um, basically came up and said not not available right now, even though we're well within. Uh, within the coverage, so uh, that that may well have uh, may well have changed now. Uh, if you're desperate to get one of these, um, if it hasn't, then I can imagine some people might be uh, might be trying to have one of these shipped to the uh, to the US. But uh, look, it's it is it is quite a quite a big big deal. And uh, in fact, I was looking at uh, upcoming uh, road trip and looking at where we've still got, um, you know, some some black spots in terms of mobile coverage and uh, challenges with EV charging and so on. And uh, the west coast of the South Island, uh, I was looking at that and thinking, oh, should I be throwing a Starlink in the boot? Uh, do I need some uh, internet connection in uh, in those places where you can't get uh, cell phone coverage, or should I be looking to uh, uh, to rent a sat phone or do you do you use an epurb um, we're just getting more and more options available to us aren't we for remote parts of the world that in the past we just you know you would have no expectation of any connectivity at all uh, yet uh, yeah more and more these things are getting getting uh, getting better and better you could pop one in your boat and tow it on your south island holiday 
Paul. There you go. Yeah. It's not just the West Coast. You know, your state highway one between Christchurch and Dunedin has black spots for mobile coverage. And um, yep. you know, the weather can get cold down there in, in the middle of the South Island. So really it's something can. that's um, would be great to have a bit of coverage along those, especially the highways. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, one one just last thing to uh, to cover before we sort of delve in and and um, and and hear a bit about the UC Centre for Entrepreneurship. Um, in a quite an unusual turn of events, a, a Dutch university has ended up um, profiting somewhat from um, from a ransomware situation uh, because uh, law enforcement were basically able to uh, you know recover the funds that they had uh, they had uh, tra- transmitted to pay uh, for um, in, a, in a ransomware attack and uh, and they paid out the uh, the ransom uh, in Bitcoin something uh, around 200,000 uh, euros um, but uh, the story goes that um, between uh, the time that this happened in uh, in 2019, uh, and uh, and when the funds were uh, were returning, um, Bitcoin, of course, had uh, had had moved, and we all know it's uh, it's been fairly volatile, and uh, mm-hmm. especially late lately. Um, so uh, yeah, apparently um, that uh, two hundred thousand euros turning into about uh, five hundred thousand euros. Now, mm-hmm. who knows what that'll be uh, tomorrow? Whether it'll be uh, less or more, but seems to be on a downward uh, trajectory at the moment. Mm. But uh, yeah, no, unusual to have a silver lining when it comes to uh, uh, cyber incident, and uh, especially when it comes to uh, to ransomware. Well, seems to be a bit like the um, property market, really, isn't it? Timing is everything, and sometimes yes, it goes in your favour. Um, it would I would have just thought it would be such a hard decision to make if you were faced with a ransomware situation do you pay up and you know further encourage such attacks or do you lose valuable data and from what i know this case it was sort of luckily it was research data and anonymized really rather than that full private information um i would like to have to make that decision about whether to pay or not um what surprised me a little bit about that situation i suppose that uh, there was a, a mention in the article that ransom recoveries are actually not that unusual you know, I would have thought once it's gone, it's gone. But you know, there was a, a report of US authorities um, recovering some of the payment that uh, Colonial Pipeline had done. And they were, a, they had rents where there were fuel suppliers' computers. So it was, effect, couldn't you know, actually go through an ability to get fuel for, for consumers. Um, and I think something else that came out when they were discussing that article was that, you know, ransomware um, cryptocurrencies probably aren't as anonymous as some people suggest or think. So, you know, there's a Agreed. question there about if you could recover it, how did they track cryptocurrency? Um, what didn't surprise me so much was the line in the article that the ransomware underground uh, suffered from a shocking lack of honour among thieves. So maybe it was an insider job to get the money back. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. Um Oh well, that's yeah. That's been been really interesting to uh, to chat through those topics. But uh, let's let's hear about the Centre for Entrepreneurship at the University of, of Canterbury. Um, you know that's uh, that's what's keeping you busy uh, every every day. And I'm I'm keen to to know a little bit more about uh, you know what you do. What are the things that that you're in, involved in there, Jared? Okay. Um, look, I'll call it UCE because University of Canterbury Centre for Entrepreneurship is quite a mouthful. Um, but so we're all about increasing that entrepreneurial spirit and capability and impact both within the university and beyond. So that means we've got a double mandate. You know, the graduate profile of the university says that students have to be um, innovative and entrepreneurial. That's what they need to be to either be good employees and businesses or to start their own businesses themselves. So. Um, We've got that focus in there, but the university's mission also uh, is about delivering people who are engaged, empowered, and making a difference. So for UCE, that means we've got to look beyond the university boundaries and increase that economic impact of the university on the city and region, and then progressively nationally and into the world. So we're aligned to the business school, which is great for accessing um, abundant research and sharp minds. Uh, like how, how we go about fulfilling that mandate is that 
we basically we help people generate ideas and turn them into ventures which grow and make impact and i call them ventures because a lot of young people are values driven um, they want to make a difference to the world about something they care about um, and all concepts whether it's just aimed at delivering social cultural environmental or commercial impact they need ongoing funding stream to ensure that their impact is significant and long lasting so we're always helping these founders develop minimum viable companies or some other entity structure as well as minimum viable products um, because then they grow and they remain relevant in a pretty dynamic world so we've got a range of programs um, covers all the way from ideation like how do you come up with an idea through pre-acceleration incubation acceleration um, as i mentioned before it's just amazing seeing students and staff just amaze themselves as well as everyone else with the ideas that they come up with for new products and services. Um, our Think Lab program uh, is aligned with universities in Adelaide, Singapore, and France. Um, and that's really a more bespoke service where we've got very battle scarred industry leaders who are advising clients on their commercialization and growth strategy. Um, we've built a very deep expertise in the four supernodes, though, of um, the priority sectors that our local economic development agency Christchurch NZ is focusing on as being the ones that can really push along our regional economy uh, and those super nodes of aerospace and future transport and I mean just look how much we've talked today about aerospace things has been a, a new frontier um, food fiber and agri-tech uh, health tech and resilient communities and high-tech services um, so that's sort of like what we're here to do uh, we're here to make impact. My um, job at the moment is, yeah, how do we take this huge asset, you know, this university asset, and how do we sweat it a bit and actually make it make a difference outside the boundaries? So happy to talk about some of the programs if, if you're interested. Or yeah, yeah, that would that would be fascinating. I mean, I I have you know great memories of Canterbury University. My father worked there for uh, for many many years, um, and I would uh, I would come onto the the campus for all manner of technology related things. Um, so I can I can remember uh, playing uh, Pac-Man uh, on the university campus, uh, probably at a space that was for university students uh, while I was at school, uh, getting access to the latest in uh, printing technology. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I would, uh, I would do my school assignments and uh, I would turn up at the university with a dollar and uh, they would give me a, a, a laser printout of uh, of my assignment, uh, which would astound my high school teachers in the 80s because yeah. uh, most people hadn't seen anything off a laser printer before. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and and of course, my my dad's work was uh, you know, working with computers in the in, in his case in the math department. So I know that there's uh, there's, there's always uh, a lot that goes on on uh, on, on campus there. But yeah. yeah, it would be fascinating to know a, a little bit about um, yeah, some of the some of the programs, what are the uh, what are the things that might uh, you know might catch people's interest or you know if uh, uh, you know these are these are things that uh, people maybe want to get involved in. Yeah, look, I, I can probably go back a bit further than you, Paul. I can remember going to a pub and thinking that Space Invaders was high tech and all you could do is move a lever and tap a button. And I thought that was really high tech. Um, but we start right at that student end again. So we, we support and coach the business clubs on campus. We've got a lot of clubs like Investment Society, the Entrepreneurs Club with competitions through to Global China Connection and Malaysian Club. Now there's over a thousand students there who are interested in starting businesses. Um, we run the engagement program for the business school. So we connect industry to all that knowledge, skills, talent, research, um, and resources of UC. And we work beyond the business school around the other faculties to bring them to, to bear uh, for industry partners. Um, we've, we uh, start off, I suppose, um, at that ideation stage and we run uh, a hatchery, which is all about experimenting about do I want to be an entrepreneur what's it like what does it mean and encouraging groups um, Maori uh, Pacifica women who sometimes don't even see themselves as being entrepreneurs and and giving them a place to experiment with it um, we've got uh, about 4,800 students who 
don't identify as either Pakeha, Māori or Pacifica, from all these different backgrounds, and they've got a different worldview, they see different problems, they come up with different solutions. So we're trying to encourage all that sort of diversity and innovation. Um, out of our, probably the flagship uh, for that is our summer startup program, 12 weeks over um, summer, de um, December uh, through to February. We do pre-work with them to actually start getting them into the habit. And then this is an intensive 12 weeks. We're really grateful that uh, there's a US benefactor who pays um, for scholarships for the students. Otherwise they'd be out there trying to have a job to you know, pay for the next year's living expenses. That's um, great. And then we end up after 12 weeks, we get these ideas and we take them to the piano in the middle of Christchurch. We might have an audience of 400 people and they have to present this concept. And that's a big ask. Um, so not only does it address the idea of the venture, but it also grows their capability in believing in themselves and presenting an idea. Um, this year is going to be our 10th edition of the Summer Startups. So we're going to try and make it a, a real celebration of the achievements of some of the people who've been through it in the last 10 years. And uh, <clears throat> some of those companies, I'll run them down in a minute, have actually turned into very large companies employing a lot of people and raising a lot of capital. Um, we other do other things then, like we run health disrupt challenges coming up at the end of July, and these are 48-hour compressed sessions. Industry poses some industry problems, statements, and we just get people to think about how could we address these problems. And that's feedstock for putting into later programs and actually developing an idea into a concept, into a venture. Um, we've just finished the Food, Fibre and Agritech Challenge, second time we've run this, uh, and that was powered by um, UCE, we used B-Link from Lincoln University, funded by the Canterbury Mural Forum, um, Christchurch NZ, uh, and we used our ThinkLab program there around, again, these problem statements by a huge industry of importance to New Zealand, and we had two streams, venture founders, classic entrepreneurs, and researchers because what we're trying to do is pull the ideas of research into something you turn into something that makes a difference. Um, the winner this year was SuperPro, was makers of a highly soluble nutritional pea protein that becomes components into a whole new range of plant-based foods. So, you know, we think of agriculture here, we have to look at the challenges that are coming up, environmental you know, considerations that have to be um, factored into your production, meat substitutions, you know, uh, plant-based food and nutrition. Um, so uh, that's just finished. That was fantastic. We ran it the second time this year. Um, we get so many types of ideas because tech is such a broad term. Um, you know, we've had, uh, so for, if you took a typical tech company, I'd talk about Vexed. Uh, it was started by Luke Campbell and Lucy Turner in our summer startup program and it's replacing traditional phone systems with smart calling and voicemail platforms, really targeted professional services like lawyers, recruiters. Um, it's got over 10,000 platform units in the US, Canada, Australia, United Kingdom. You know, won KiwiNet's commercialization prize for students. We've got now 21 staff, three successful capital raisers. Um, these are young people in their early 20s, just amazing. Yeah, um, fantastic. Have a look at Kia Aerospace, you know, while we're on aerospace, you know, that's Mark Rocket's latest space venture in association with Philip Saltrop. He came up, UC PhD. They're building a solar powered, remotely piloted stratospheric aircraft uh, to fly continuously for months to collect all this aerial imagery and data that fills data gaps with and makes intelligence more, more accessible. Um, but aerospace is not all about rockets and fuel. We've got Sarah Kessens from UC conducting protein crystallography and crystallization in zero gravity because that, that's actually a health research um, project. Um, we've had kiwi fiber still with us. Um, they produce high tensile strength material from harakiki fiber. So you're using more natural products. Uh, Atik by Brian West, revolutionizing waste in the cosmetics industry. So again, commercial businesses, but also very values driven. Uh, Curry um, won Calhan Innovation's C Prize, and we've covered a prize. And unlike most recycled metals, 
there's something about zinc, which I'm not a scientist, I don't understand, but it's got a larger CO2 footprint when you recycle it than when it's mined. Um, but it's a huge byproduct of a lot of manufacturing. So they're right. building an alternative to the current way in which we recycle zinc and zinc dust. So that's been through UCE's Think Lab program to help it develop its commercialization strategy. So we're getting very broad definition of tech, but in the end, it's all about making a difference. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's fantastic. So um, yeah, so who else would you expect to be sort of highlighting and uh, you know put it putting up in uh, in in lights, uh, you know, for this uh, this this next um, or this sort of I guess ten year anniversary of. Uh, um, you know, of your summer startups program. Any other ones uh, you can mention? Yeah, look, I mean, sometimes uh, I'm trying to show examples, but, you know, these companies well, are the, great. Every other company in venture is great too. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, know, you get a bit, um, feel better sometimes about highlighting others when there are so many other good ones around. And some yeah, of them yeah. are, um, will, will make huge impact. It may not be the com biggest commercial um earner but we had a um two uh maori ladies start a business last year about um increasing the connection uh between expectant mothers and their unborn child using tikanga and uh, of maori now if that can make a difference to people's health well-being and life connections um the sense of connectedness in families, you know, what a fantastic outcome, prevention. So yes, definitely. Um, yeah, and there are so many environmental ventures coming through. Uh, we've had uh, another one, Bambax, that recently won um, a prize in the Food Fiber Agritech Challenge, you know, about dealing with uh, waste through recyclable um, uh, materials and packaging. So look, they just go on and on and on, and, and I'd suggest then that the way to do it um, Paul, as you and all your listeners come to our 10th anniversary in uh, probably in the piano or maybe even a bigger venue in February next year and go down the list. So, sounds good. Sounds very good. Uh, we'll certainly look, look forward to, uh, to hearing more about that and um, uh, getting down to see, see you in person. Um, and uh, yeah, I was hoping to be down this, this week, but uh, plan, plans had changed there. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and tell us about who else you've got on the on the team. We were originally going to have uh, Michelle Polglaze uh, joining us on on this episode, so she's she's part of your team. What uh, you know? Who are the different people, and um, you know how does it uh, how does it fit fit together? Hey, thank you for the opportunity to give a shout out to the team. Yes, Michelle is um, uh, looking after predominantly our Think Lab um, program at the moment. Um, getting these advisors onto the companies about commercialization and growth strategy. Um, she had also done some services for Creative HQ in Wellington, running a FinTech accelerator. And for my sins, I was chair of Creative HQ uh, a while back. Um, and that's been an exciting organization because it, it got into new areas of innovation, corporate innovation, mm. government innovation. Yes, it's not an oxymoron. It's a thing that happens. And uh, you know, that innovation is everywhere good ideas are over it, but it's how you take it into something that turns it into reality um and michelle's very she's uh getting her pilot license at the moment so very interested in the aerospace um and a great connector a great connector great worker uh we have lisa martin who has uh is french she has worked in um entrepreneurship centers in france and cambodia a lot of experience currently focusing on the student um, capability building side, but moving now into more of the acceleration for well, what, what happens when they've finished at UC, how do we support them to get to the next stage before they're ready for a Think Lab program? Uh, Tim Winfield runs our engagement program, and you know, we can't do our things without being connected to industry because that's where the expertise is out there. Um, we work very closely with the Canterbury Tech Association, Canterbury Angels, uh, and other investment groups that come in. Um, we've got uh, James Carr working for us at the moment while he's doing his PhD and he's running the health challenge. Um, we've got Mary Cunningham who coaches the clubs to just produce that capability and pipeline. Uh, and we also have interns. Um, uh, 
Will Murrell uh, runs um, the makerspace. So we have a makerspace with uh, a large number of 3D printers and vinyl cutters so people can actually experiment with physical product design and prototyping. Um, we have uh, new uh, interns, Sophie and uh, Daniel, who are actually helping us with our social media and getting all our information out to people. Um, so yeah, that's about our team. It's a small team, but oh. it's, they're really committed yeah, you... and they're really they really want to make a difference and, and they do you've got a, a lot going on there that's uh, it's really exciting and uh, i'm glad that we took the uh you know a bit of bit of time to uh, to to hear about uh what you're up to there and uh, yeah i hope we'll get uh, a bit more of an opportunity uh in the future and um you know hopefully i can uh, I can pop pop out and uh, and see you in, in person uh, next time I'm uh, I'm I'm down in Canterbury. Um, well, that's great. Um, now, where should where should people go just to find out uh, a, a little bit more about the programs and and the things uh, um, that you're up to there? Look, I think the easiest way is to go to the University of Canterbury website and under or we'll search for Centre for Entrepreneurship will will come up straight away. Um, we do run you know Facebook. Uh, Twitter and LinkedIn channels as well, so you can search on all of those things for us. But come to the website; gives you our contacts. We'd be, we'd love to talk to you. Yeah, great. All right. Well, uh, thanks very much for for joining us. Uh, thank you too to uh, our show partners for their support of New Zealand's technology and, and innovation ecosystems. Uh, so thank you to Vodafone, Spark, Two Degrees, HP. Gorilla Technology, Cyclone, and Aruba. And we will be back again with another episode next week. Uh, so we'll look forward to uh, to catching everybody then. And, uh, yep, thanks again, uh, Jared, and thanks again for everybody for, uh, for listening in. Cheers. Thanks, Paul. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.